This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. So we looked at the first one. You know, God sends sickness on people. Some people think that. That's not true. We saw in the light of scripture, he doesn't. The Old Testament, some scriptures there seem to imply that he does. Well, they weren't written in the causative sense in the original Hebrew. They were in the permissive sense. And the reason he permits it is because man permits it. Amen. Praise God. He doesn't have sickness. He doesn't give sickness. He can't make anybody sick. And then, like I said, the Bible is progressive revelation. We don't get the full import of it until we come into the New Testament, and especially in the epistles. And it's clear. Romans 5, 12, for by one man sin came into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, in that all have sinned. So Satan is the originator, as well as the propagator of sickness and disease. God doesn't make anybody sick. Praise God. Number two, roadblock. My healing may not be God's will. Some people think that. My healing may not be God's will. My healing may not be God's will. Please put it in inverted commas too, parenthesis. Is that true? It's not true. Healing is always God's will for the sick. How do we know? Well, we'll give seven reasons yesterday why we know. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Matthew 8, 17. 1 Peter 2, 24. That's two or three witnesses that make it clear in no uncertain terms that Jesus died not only for our sins, but also for our sicknesses. So healing is always God's will for the sick. Healing is God's will for everybody who's sick. Praise God. So that's roadblock number two. Because we spent a lot of time on that, I won't bother to elaborate so much on it. You know, so my healing may not be God's will is a lie of the devil. The lie from the pits of hell. Your healing is God's will. Healing is God's will for everybody who's sick. Well, roadblock number three. Roadblock number three. Hezekiah used a poultice. Hezekiah used a poultice. Let's go to Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38. P-O-U-L-T-I-C-E. Poultice, poultice. Well, it's not my mother tongue. Bless my heart. Ezekiel 38, or Isaiah 38 rather. Isaiah 38, poultice, poultice, P-O-U-L-T-I-C-E. P-O-U-L-T-I-C-E. How do you pronounce it? Poultice. Okay. Isaiah 38, verses 1 to 4. In those days was Ezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Ezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Ezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and see to Ezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I've heard thy prayer, I've seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto thee, unto thy days, fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. 
And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. And then um, later on in the chapter, we read how in verse 21, it says, For Isaiah had said, Let them take a lump of figs and lay it for a plaster upon the boil, and it shall recover. Ezekiah also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? Now, let me explain. There was Ezekiah, King Ezekiah, King in Judah. Isaiah, whose word had never fallen to the ground, a prophet of God, a messianic prophet, his words had never fallen to the ground, suddenly comes to Ezekiah's house, to the palace, and says, Ezekiah, thus saith the Lord, set that house in order, put your will in place, you will surely die. Now, did that mean that that was God's best for Ezekiah? Not necessarily. Psalm 91 verse 16 says, With long life will I satisfy thee and show thee my salvation. God always wanted Ezekiah to live long. But in the light of the present circumstances in Ezekiah's life, he was going to die. So what did Ezekiah do? He changed his position. And he prayed to God and cried and said, Oh God, I've lived before you with a good heart. Yes, he may have had wrong actions, but he had a perfect heart toward God. And he just kind of pleaded his case. Before Ezekiah left the king's court, God sent him back. Before Isaiah left the king's court, God sent him back. Tell him he will have 15 more years. Now, what Ezekiah had, it was a boil. Now, some people, some Bible scholars say it was something like a carbuncle on his neck. It was very painful, known to be very painful. So God told Isaiah to tell him to take a lump of figs and lay it on the boil. Now, some people say that and say, well, healing is not for everybody. Healing is not scriptural. How come the way God healed that lump was by telling him to take a lump of figs and to put it on the boil? No, that was just medicine. It wasn't stop all this thing about divine healing, divine power. No, no, that was the way God walked. That's the way God walks. Yes, God told him to lay a lump of figs on the boil. Now, people have researched the lump of figs did not necessarily have any medicinal value. It didn't necessarily have any medicinal value. Well, why did God tell him to do it? Why did God tell Naaman to dip in River Jordan seven times? I don't know. I'm not God. But this I know. That sometimes God requires an act of obedience for us to release our faith. You see that? Jesus spat on the ground, made clay of the spiritual, anointed the man's eyes. Why did he have to sell him, send him, you know, make clay of his eyes? Put mud on his face. Why did he have to do that? I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not the one doing it. Maybe when we get to him, ask him why he did it that way. But this we know that sometimes God requires an act of obedience for us to release our faith. And as we act and do what God tells us to do, then we receive from him. Praise God. So that was the case here. Some people let this let the devil use this to cheat them and to rob them of their faith in divine healing. No, no. Divine healing is still scriptural. You notice God had told him you have 15 more years. So it wasn't that that made it happen. God had told him. And it was God that also told him to put that lump of figs on his neck. Why did God tell him to do it? I don't know. But as he obeyed God, it was an expression of his faith. And obviously he received. He lived another 15 more years. He lived 15 more years or he lived another 15 years. That's clear, right? Okay. Well, roadblock number four. 
Roadblock number four. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. Roadblock number four. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. It says, Erastus abode at Corinth. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Trophimus, have I left at Militum sick? So some people read this and say, yeah, Paul left Trophimus sick. He left him sick at Militum. If healing was always God's will, why will that apostle of God, why will that man of God, that knew God, why will he leave somebody sick? He will have healed him. If Paul left Trophimus at Militum sick, then healing, divine healing is not necessarily so. Or healing is not for everybody. My first question, are you Trophimus? <laughs> Do you live in Militum? Even if you are Trophimus, are you that Trophimus? <laughs> Now, we don't know why Paul left Trophimus at Militum sick. We don't know. But there are a few things we do know. We know that sometimes healing is gradual. Are you listening? Is it possible that Trophimus had appropriated his healing and he was beginning to recover? But by the time Paul was leaving Militum, Trophimus was still sick. Is that possible? Yes. Also, we know this. That healing is an individual proposition. It's an individual proposition based on the faith of the recipient. It's not as though Paul just had healing power. And if Paul knew you, if you were related to Paul, if you were around Paul, you were just healed. Paul was just healing everybody promiscuously all over the place. Not necessarily. You know that it wasn't many days after Jesus was in Jerusalem that that lame man by the gate beautiful got healed. Do you know? Jesus was in Jerusalem. Jesus was in that temple at least two times. Probably more times than that. But there were two times. There were two times he flogged money changers out of the temple. So he was there. But how come that man didn't get healed? I don't know. The man probably didn't receive his healing. You see, God doesn't just force healing on people. He just go, who is sick? Who is sick? Let's go to the National Hospital. Let's discharge all those wards. That's not how it works. All those sick people that they got to lay on beds and couches in Jerusalem, where did they get them from? It was just a few years Jesus was in that same Jerusalem. Where did they get all those sick people from? Now, healing is an individual proposition based primarily on the faith of the recipient. Is it possible Trophimus did not appropriate his healing? It's possible. Hey, but Paul could have, should have just healed him. That's not how it works. Jesus in his own hometown, Nazareth, he couldn't, he could not. Not that he did not, he could not. One translation actually says he tried, but he failed. Couldn't get them healed. Yeah. Why? It's an individual proposition. So it's possible Trophimus did not appropriate his healing. Paul might have done his best to try to get him healed. Maybe Trophimus did not cooperate. Well, Paul might have done his best, and Trophimus might have received his healing, but, and he was just recovering. But by the time Paul was leaving Militum, Trophimus was still sick. We don't know for sure. But whatever happened to Trophimus or didn't happen to Trophimus, this I know. Matthew 8, 17. Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24. By his stripes we were healed. Now because somebody chose to receive their healing or chose not to receive their healing doesn't stop me from walking in health. Have you left? Um, Reynard Monkey has done many crusades here in Nigeria, right? As he left many sinners at those crusade grounds, still sinners. Does that mean that salvation is not for everybody? 
Have you left some sinners in some cities still sinners? You have. Ah, but I thought if salvation was for everybody, you will have made them saved. No, you can't. You can't force salvation on them. Any more than Paul could have forced healing on Trophimus. You see that? So, some people use that as a roadblock. My name is not Trophimus. And even if my name were Trophimus, I'm not that Trophimus. And even if I were that Trophimus, well, it, you don't know whether I did not receive my healing. He might have. The fact that by the time Paul left Militum, he was still sick, doesn't mean he stayed sick. Healing is God's will for the sick. Amen. All right. That's roadblock number four. You know, roadblock number five. Yeah, this is a familiar one. And this is one that your guess is as good as mine. Anybody wants to guess? Anybody wants to guess? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, he says in the past, okay. Okay. Uh -huh. Somebody said it. It's Paul. Paul's. Uh -huh. Paul's stone in the flesh. Familiar one, right? Uh -huh. What do you mean? Healing is always God's will for the sick. You see, God gave Paul a special sickness. It was his stone in the flesh. See, this condition is my own tongue in the flesh. You know, have you heard that before? Okay. Let's find out. What does God's word have to say about that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll read from verse 1. 2 Corinthians 12 from verse 1. Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul's thorn in the flesh. It's a popular roadblock that hinders many people from receiving their healing. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise, and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For... Though I will desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man shall think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, because of this verse, Bible scholars believe that the person Paul was referring to in those previous verses was himself. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of your revelations, it was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. When I'm weak, then am I strong. Now, people have concluded from here that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. First and foremost, let's even say Paul's thorn in the flesh was sickness, right? Which we are not saying. We are not saying it wasn't. But let's even say it was. Number one, how many visions have you had? How many revelations have you had? How many? Just tell me. How many times have you been to heaven? You don't need a thorn in the flesh. 
don't. He said, through the abundance, he said, unspeakable things that it is not lawful for man to utter. How many of them have you heard? Amen. Now, we know that the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. We use scripture to interpret scripture. This term, thorn in the flesh, are there other times it occurs in the Bible? How was it used all the times it occurs in the Bible? If we see the way it was used, it may shed light on what it is. Then this scripture says, a messenger of Satan. Now, the word messenger there is angelus. Angelus means a being. There was a literal being, a personality. It was an evil spirit that went everywhere Paul went to preach and steered up trouble against Paul. You saw he was extremely persecuted. There was one time, professional stoner stoned him, left him for dead. Actually, Bible scholars believe that was when he had this experience. These were the same guys that stoned Stephen, remember? They stoned him, he was dead. They stoned Paul. When they finished stoning, he just picked his body. He went back into the same city. Amen. So he was a literal being, a demon that went everywhere Paul went and stirred trouble against him. Listen, if Paul was sick and like um, one uh, commentator said he had ophthalmia and his eyes used to bring out pus. That's what one commentator said. I read it. Matthew Henry said that. But the question is this. Remember when he got to the island of Melita? These were heathen people who did not know him. Just imagine his eyes dripping with pus and then he now comes and says, are there any sick people? <laughs> what will you say? You say, physician, heal thyself. <laughs> Those people will have said, the sickness we have is enough. Don't add your own to it. If you touch us, we may get more sick. Now, for the kind of things Paul went through, he couldn't have been a sick man. He couldn't have been a sick man. No way. You see, the term thorn in the flesh, you see it in Numbers 33.55. Numbers 33.55. It was used there. We also see it in Joshua 23.13. Joshua 23.13. Joshua 23.13. Numbers 33.55. Joshua 23.13. Judges chapter 2 and verse 3. Judges chapter 2 verse 3. Everywhere it was used, it was used to talk about people. God told Israel, when you get to Canaan, destroy all those Hivites, Hamorites, Hittites, Jebusites, all them ites and sites. Destroy all of them. Say, because if you don't, they will become pricks in your sides, thorns in your flesh, pricks in your eyes. That's what they will be. They will be, they will be thorns in your flesh. So, what were those people? They were people. I hear this thing. Every time the expression thorn in the flesh was used, it was never used to talk about sickness. It always talked about people. So why will the Holy Ghost let it be people and then he will change the definition all of a sudden? No, he's the one who authored scriptures. Amen. And that's what it always was. It was people. Now, let's look at Paul. When he was describing his sufferings, the things he suffered, and let's see how many sicknesses and the kinds of sicknesses he suffered. Let's just find out. 
You know, in the previous chapter, you see, it's the same context, right? It's the same context that he went into chapter 12 with. Let's go to chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. And let's see how sick Paul really was. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll start from verse 15. Therefore, it is no okay. I'll start from, let's, I say again, 16. Let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak not after the Lord, but as it were, foolishly. In the confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, are we glory also? So it's like Paul is saying, there were some of these false apostles who were deceiving the Corinthians, you know, who were bragging on their credentials in the natural. Paul said, okay, if they want to talk about who they are in the natural, who they are in the flesh, uh, me too, I have a CV. I'll bring out my own CV. So Paul brought out his CV. And let's, let's read Paul's CV. For ye suffer fools gladly. You allow fools gladly. Seeing ye yourselves are wise. Paul was a master of the pen. For ye suffer. If a man bring you, you allow. If a man bring you into bondage. If a man devour you. If a man take of you. If a man exalt himself. If a man smite you on the face. Paul was saying, is it because I based myself among you? Some of these guys now come saying that they are something and they are nothing. And me, that, is it because I haven't made noise about what I really am? Okay, I will make noise. Listen, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool and more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, often. Of the Jews, five times received I. Forty stripes save one. That's 39 stripes. Five times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often. In perils of water. Imperials of robbers, imperials by my own countrymen, imperials by the heathen, imperials in the city, imperials in the wilderness, imperials in the sea, imperials among false brethren. That's the worst of them. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, staying awake in the night, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches who is weak and i'm not weak who is offended and i born not if i must needs glory i will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities so these are the infirmities he was talking about he wasn't talking about asthma about heart condition about diabetes these are the infirmities he was talking about the things he went through the things he suffered somebody who went through this could he have been sickly how the first 39 stripes is when he will have died. In fact, they won't reach 39 before he will have given up the ghost. Five times he took 39. He couldn't have been a sickly person. He was healthy. So what are the things he suffered? These are the things he suffered. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness. 
It was not disease. It was not disease. It was not disease. He was a strong person. He was writing to the Galatians. He said, you know, you know how large a letter I've written to you with my own hands. If it was possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and would have given them unto me. Some people read that and said, Paul had bite eyes. So that's why he needed them to have given him eyes. No, that's a figure of speech. That's like saying, ah-ah, you know, you know, you will have taken your own supper tonight and given it to me. I say that, does it mean I'm hungry and I don't have food to eat? Paul wasn't sick. Wasn't sickness. The thorn in the flesh was what the Bible says it was. It was the messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. Now, he besought the Lord three times that you be taken from him. Why couldn't God take it? God can't take it. The devil has a right to be here. Until Adam's lease runs out, Satan will be here. But you know what's interesting? God told him, my strength, is, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weaknesses. With God's strength, Paul was able to rise above the buffetings of Satan. He was able to walk in victory. At the end of Paul's life, he said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. So regardless of those things, he fought the fight through to the end and he completed the assignment that God had for his life. Amen. So Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness. It was not sickness. Couldn't have been sickness. Couldn't have been sickness. Well, perhaps you're here and um, this is your first time. Or maybe it wasn't, isn't even your first time. This taster. It's not your first taster. And you're thinking about coming to Rhema. Well, you don't have to think about it too much. Amen. It's good to get trained in God's word. Preparation time is never wasted. Imagine hearing truths from the word of God consistently. A blend of both national and international instructors that you get a curriculum that is proven over 40 years and has trained some stalwarts, some giants who have done outstanding things for God. You'll be a part of an alumni body that is all over the world. You have family members all over the world. If you're an alumnus here, if you go to Rema USA and you say, I'm an alumnus from Rema Nigeria, you have the same standing as an alumnus from Rema USA because we are one school in several campuses in different countries. Amen. Good opportunity. You know, this is the beginning of a, a new year. Perhaps you're watching on the live stream. Jump in. Get in. We have an intake this January. You can fill the form. Go to RemaNigeria.com. Rema, R-H-E-M-A, Nigeria. N-I-G-E-R-I-A. That's still the spelling of Nigeria.com. And then you can get to fill the form online. Or maybe you're here and you want a form. You could just put up your hand. We'll be glad to get you one. Praise God. Jump in. Don't think about it. And you know, there's, um, there's thinking paralysis. You can think and think and think and think and not do anything. Amen. It's a good decision to make. A good decision to make. Get the word of God into your system. It'll change your life. So you're equipped with not only spiritual truths, but also practical things that will help you in the ministry. One um, minister said something. He said 80% of what is taught in Bible schools is not applicable. There's only 20% of what's taught that is applicable. Brother Higgins said he heard that and he thought that philosophy is wrong. It should be the other way. 
So Raymond's philosophy is 80% of what is taught is what is usable. We want to concentrate on what people really need to live a victorious life. What people really need to fulfill the plan of God for their lives. What people really need to be effective, amen, in their local church. And that's what Rhema is. And I'll encourage you, get in. Get in. We have campuses in Abuja, in Port Harcourt, in Kaduna, in Lagos, in Yanya also. And we're, we're just booting. We're going to have many more all over uh, the country. And there are Rhema campuses all over the world. If you finish your level one here, you want to do level two, any other place, any other Rhema, any other country, you can. Because we are one school. Praise the Lord. So we've looked at the fact that healing is always God's will for the sick. We've seen several methods whereby healing can be obtained. Then we're talking about these roadblocks, the divine healing. And um, we said, number one, God sends sickness on people. That's not true. Said number two, my healing may not be God's will. That's not true. Said number three, Hezekiah used the poultice. We explained what that must have been. It was an act of obedience to release his faith. We said number four, Paul left Trophimus at Militum sick. Well, that doesn't mean you should stay sick. We don't know why. Maybe he was recovered. Maybe he didn't appropriate his healing. We don't know. Praise God. And then number five, the issue of Paul having a thorn in the flesh. Well, number six, the bell is about to go. I think I have like a minute. A minute. Okay, let me mention number six. Some people say this, that they are suffering for the glory of God. They are suffering for the glory of God. They are suffering for the glory of God. That their sickness is for the glory of God. They go to John chapter 9. If you read from verse 1 to 7, as well as John chapter 11. John 9 was where there was the man born blind. And Jesus' disciples, John 9, 1 to 7, Jesus' disciples asked him, who did sin that he was born blind? Was he the one that sinned or his parents? Now listen, religion teaches people not to think. He was born blind. How could he have been the one that sinned? Was he sinning in the womb? He said, who did sin that he was born blind? Was he the one that sinned or his parents? Then Jesus now responds and says, neither he nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must do the works of him that called me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. Now, tradition interprets that, that the man, you know, the reason he was sick, was born blind, wasn't because of his sin or experienced sin, but the reason was so that God could heal him. Listen, if God was that kind of a God, I wouldn't want to be in his family. He's mean if it was like that. So you deprive this man of his childhood. You deprive this man just because you want to flex muzzle. Just because you want to show what you can do. Then how are you different from Nigerian, some Nigerian politicians? <laughs> Amen. Well, should I let you wonder till tomorrow? Yes. I should let you wonder till tomorrow. Yes. Okay, because some people may not come. Just give me like one more minute. Let me explain this. Some who are here may not be here tomorrow. Hopefully they would. But let me say this. Jesus responds. Now, remember that the Bible in the Greek text was not punctuated. It was the translators that punctuated it. Also put it in chapter and verse. So there was no commas, no colons, no semicolon, no full stop. It was the translators that punctuated it the way they felt it would. That was a particular place where I don't believe the punctuation was very good. Who did sin that he was born blind? Neither hath he sinned nor experienced sinned full stop. That's the answer to the question. 
Then Jesus now begins a new sentence. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Comma. I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. Praise God. Have a nice night's rest. If you don't get that yet, make sure you are here on time tomorrow. I'll continue with it tomorrow. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.